In this episode of Prototypes, architect Dorina Dengo and filmmaker and journalist Zahir Kasim discuss the impact of multidisciplinary collaboration, the representation processes and methods in the 3x3 project, in which they explore the ways in which Congolese traders and tailors transform the social, economic and built environment in Kampala, Uganda. The project worked at multiple scales, considering the influence of the Kitenge trade at the global, regional, city and neighborhood levels, with a focus on the 3 by 3 meter shop unit. Dorina Dengo is a registered architect in the United States and Uganda, based in Kampala. She has taught at the New School and the Pratt Institute in New York, Uganda Martyrs University and at the University of Johannesburg Graduate School of Architecture in South Africa. Zahir Kasim is a filmmaker and journalist. He's also the founder of One Way Up Productions, focusing on innovative ways of telling stories and has over the years worked with architects across Africa exploring different ways of portraying architecture and the thought processes behind it through film. Yeah, an hour ago, we went down this process, learned about Kitenge and a couple of characters that came with it. And today we've got the pleasure of talking about it. And uh, I still thank you. Thank you for introducing me to this and, and letting me be part of it. And I've learned a lot. But as a, as a filmmaker, I'm really interested in what got you interested in Kitenge and what it means to Uganda. So the way the project started out... African Mobilities was looking at migrants and movement across, in our case, Kampala. And we looked at the different refugee populations in Kampala, one of which were Congolese. And then we discovered that they were mainly involved in the trade of Kitenge. And so that's how we arrived to Kitenge. And then we started to interview uh, different traders and narrowed in on Elvis. We followed him for six months in total to try to understand what he was doing. And it led us to his shop where he was working from in downtown Kampala. And what we realized is that he was in a space that was three by one when it's closed. And when it opened up, it unfolded into a three by three space. And we realized that many of the traders in downtown Kampala had a shop around, around about that square footage, nine to 10 square meters. Um, and so we started to investigate this three by three space within which he was operating and found that video was actually a good way to unpack what we were finding. So actually now a question to you, because I came to you at the time when we had gathered a lot of information and we were trying to think of best ways to represent what we'd found. What was it like for you developing this film at the time, piecing together the information that we handed over? So I love this process and I, I love learning about architecture and, you know, the, the more you learn about architecture, it's, it, you, you learn it's less about structures, but more about people and how people interact with that space. So initially when you came to me, you know, what, what I really appreciated and what, what was great is that you really found this character, uh, Alvis. And what was nice about Alvis, and I remember you talking to me about this, I believe Alvis's family is also involved in the Kitenge trade. Am I correct? Yes, yes. So, so Alvis was a perfect example of, of a, a, a refugee who, who came here and made a life through Kitenge. What it represented to, to Alvis was a, an opportunity. And you found a great character that could tell the story of many people. So I think from the get-go, we had the right ingredients 
for for this video. And then what was fascinating personally for me was the three by three. I mean, that's such a small space and yet they make it work. And when you look at the visuals, especially the stop frame technique of the people coming in and out and how Elvis deals with so many people um, in such a small space, but yet caters to every day, everyone, keeping an eye on everything, keeping, uh, you know, his stock is behind him, it, the, the visibility of that stock. I thought it was so interesting that in Africa, we make a plan, you know what I mean? We, we can have a small space, but really maximize the use of that space. And I, and I thought as an architect to, to, to look at, to, to pick up on that is, is so refreshing because you're not really, you're not only focused on, you know, the big buildings and uh, the big common spaces, which everybody's, uh, most architects are, you know, are trying to fight for. You, you're narrowing it down to the little man, to the man on the street, three by three, right? It's a small space. But how does Elvis and how do they make it work? What I found out by doing this top frame, I, I went to his shop at 7 a.m. on a Saturday and sat there till he closed at 7 p.m. And he reveals in the video that he took a folded fabric to a carpenter and measured the size of the shelves based on the size of a folded fabric. And then the desk that he had in front of him was also to the dimensions of the fabric and folded and folded back. And so each piece of furniture in his shop, the, the shelves, the tables, everything was according to the dimension of the fabric, which was interesting. Um, the other thing that we found is that he's in a building and apparently the building owners in downtown Kampala, they present one plan to the town planners and then they build something else because they know what people like Elvis want. And what this means is that uh, the buildings that are going up do not match the plan that's submitted. And maybe um, one way that this could have an impact on the city is that maybe there has to be a way to get the city planners to accept that there is this different way that people want, the kind of space that they want, and the plan needs to match that. Basically, one plan is presented to the city planners, and then another plan is built. And there has to be a way to present the actual plan that people want to the city planners. So there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect yes. by, the, by the plan and what's actually there. Exactly. And, and that disconnect needs to be fought. It, it can't exist in, in order to grow. Exactly. And I think it's usually that design is, is top-down. Uh, but in this case, what it proves is that there really has to be the consideration of the actual user. And their needs need to be taken into consideration when the plan is being submitted to the city planners. But you mentioned there about design being top-down. Um, does that need to change? Does that mindset need to change? Yes, it definitely, it definitely needs to change. In what form can this change? I don't know. I like to think of myself as an advocate uh, for architecture. The most that this kind of project, and which is why I'm, it's very critical that we have a video that can reach a wider audience to just let people know that this is what's going on and hope that the right person will eventually understand this and eventually there could be some change. One of the techniques you used for the video was stop frame or stop motion. I'm interested to thinking, uh, I'm interested in understanding why you chose that method. We use the stop frame 
because we realized that there was a change over time. The three by one space unfolded into a three by three space. And at some point, the volume of customers came up to about 100 a day, people going through the shop before it folds back again into the three by one space. And we thought the best way to document that was to literally just sit there and take one uh, frame every five minutes is what we decided. That way we could actually capture in time this unfolding, unfolding back process. As a filmmaker, what I appreciated about the stop frame is specifically discipline needed in order to pull it off. I mean, you could have easily gone in and just set up a camera and then hit record and walked away, but it wouldn't require you to actually just sit there and watch. And I believe that by you doing the stop frame technique, it forced you, I don't know if you picked it up, but it, maybe on a subconscious level, it forced you to actually just sit there and watch and understand the process. And, 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 and I think that was key in understanding how the three by three space works, you know, what Kitenge means to Elvis and, 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 and actually just appreciating what Elvis does for a living. Yes, by sitting there, I did take in a lot. And then the question was, okay, how can I now communicate this in four minutes? <laughs> that was the big challenge. We work kind of backwards in this case, because uh, usually you have a script, you go find the characters, you have a script, and then you shoot for that, uh, for that story. This time, it, it was a little different. Not to say it was wrong, it was just different. We had the content, we had the character, we had to find the story. And then through talking to you, we found that story. Uh, but but you you accumulated a lot of knowledge on on the art of Kitenge, the trade of Kitenge in the in the last uh, in the six months you, you you worked with Elvis. So it, it was a it was a different it was a fun experience. Yes, yeah, no, it definitely was, and and definitely moving forward, we have continued to con to make these four minute videos because I learned that that really is the best way to get the message across. Uh, especially when there's a lot of information that's very something that's constantly changing, something that uh, may not be so clear. In architecture, we normally do drawings, you know, plans and sections and elevations. In this case, that type of drawing would not communicate what we found. And speaking of video, you you working with a group of young self-taught entrepreneurs. A lot of people in the film industry here and photography are self-taught. And even I'd say with the architecture students and young graduates I come across, they've obviously gone to architecture school, but there's certain skills or just new ways of representing that they haven't been exposed to. So I always try to, with each project, have a kind of skills sharing and knowledge sharing com component to the project so that the young people I work with learn something from the experience. You mentioned that they learned a lot from, from this experience. What, what did you learn from this experience? I think what I learned from this experience is that, well, one is patience. It did take patience to have to sit there. It wasn't just one stop frame video. There were three. So there's three days where I sat the whole day um, taking information. And then there's a large team, multidisciplinary, different backgrounds. You know, there's one who was a social scientist. There's yourself, video. Um, there was a photographer and then um, architects. And so communicating across and being able to get your point across to someone from another discipline, that also took patience. So I think what I've learned is to be patient with the process and, and just to learn how to communicate very clearly.
That's what I've learned the most, actually. I enjoyed the whole aspect of learning about this post, uh, learning about Kitenge and learning about 3x3 and Elvis post, everything being shot, everything being, uh, the content being produced, because it, it allowed me to reevaluate what I've learned and understand, okay, can we do things differently? And we can, we, we did in this video. So, I, I, I mean, if I, if I look back, I really enjoyed that aspect. And I enjoyed uh, Kitenge itself. It's so beautiful. It's so colorful. Um, the, if you look at the video, you'll see this beautiful photos, this beautiful designs. The colors were outstanding. And it's always nice. It's nice to be part of something that's, that's, that's hopeful and, and bright. And you know, we, we're in a quite a negative space at the moment with COVID-19. But uh, <laughs> you can always look back and watch these videos and, and think of better days. And no better days are on the horizon. They are, they are coming. Yes, that is true. So yeah, I think it was uh, it was a great learning experience for everyone involved, and and that's really I feel always the point for each project. Um, so I feel that this was a successful project. Of course, if we went back to that three by three space, I'm sure there's some differences now, you know, in light of this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic that we're in, and that's something to speculate on. It's been fun catching up with you for our next project together. Uh, let me know when you're in South Africa and I'll let you know when I'm in Uganda, but it might be a while. Okay. Yeah, we can always work uh, remotely. That's the way to do things now. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. African Mobilities podcast series was made possible with the support of the Goethe Institute, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation, the Witts Institute of Social and Economic Research, and the Witts School of Architecture and Planning at the University of the Witwatersrand. Yeah.